Hello, this is the audio version of the Better Strangers article for Wednesday, November 15th. How to Fight Political Despair, Seven Easy Steps to Pushing Back Against Numerism and Despair, written and read by me, Matt Hirschberger. I haven't written a listicle in nearly six years, but I'll do it for you, dear reader. I came of writing maturity in the clickbait age of the internet, so I've learned to loathe the medium, but this is Revolution's Month of Better Strangers, and we do not seem to be living in particularly revolutionary times. So my how-to article for the month would be wasted on how to mount a revolution. Instead, I want to address a major problem with our current political landscape, political despair. We're not ever going to get to a better future if people can't imagine it, and you can't start imagining it if you've resigned yourself to hopelessness. So I want to offer a list of things you can do to start to deconstruct the despair mindset and to start to engage politically in a meaningful way. Number one, adopt a hope mindset. Good news on this front, next month's theme is Hope in the Dark, so I'll be focusing on this topic a lot more in the coming weeks. But the first thing you need to know is that hope and optimism are not the same thing. Optimism is the belief that things will turn out well. Hope is a commitment to towards making things turn out well. I talked a lot more about the distinction in the article below. I'm linking to uh, the Hope versus Optimism article that I wrote back in May. Um, The best book on the subject is Rebecca Solnit's Hope in the Dark, which was first published on on the heels of George W. Bush's re-election. It is republished every time the Republicans win an election cycle, but it is not just for angsty liberals. This is, at heart, a leftist book about people fighting against extraordinary odds in truly hopeless moments in history, and how they fought through. You can buy it below. I've got a link to bookshop.org. It's an affiliate link, so I get a small percentage if you buy through there. Uh, But I don't link to Amazon, so, you know, not giving it to the evil corporation. Number two, study real change campaigns. Hopefully, this month's coverage of revolutions has already given you a few resources on this front. But if you feel like nothing can change, the best place to start is by looking at the way people have changed things. Last week on TikTok, I discussed the radical roots of the famous Gandhi misquote, Be the Change You Wish to See in the World, and how radical groups like the Black Panthers managed to completely change the the way the American government treats childhood hunger through their local organizing efforts. The simple truth is that change is the only constant, and when you learn to accept that, you can stop being ruled by change and can instead learn, as Octavia Butler put it, to shape change. The records for this are extensive, even in failed revolutions, lingering side effects of the attempt to make society a better place have lived on. So instead of asking if change is possible, acknowledge that it is, and start asking how to change the world. The people who have changed the world had a tendency to leave notes. Read the notes. Number three, focus less on federal than on local. My wife, who works in state government after years of working at the the state level, likes to say that the federal government is like a battleship. It's huge, and because of this, it's hard and slow to turn around. State and local government, she says, is more like a speedboat. You can go fast, you can change fast, but you can also get ahead of yourself. Part of the reason the current political landscape is so bleak is that our federal government is in absolute shambles right now. The House of Representatives is run by a wingnut, the Supreme Court seemingly walked out of a Rush Limbaugh wet dream, and the President and DNC lack the vision and the charisma to adequately fight them. So trying to change things at this level means making a commitment of years for, likely, very small incremental changes. If that sounds exhausting to you, get off of the battleship and onto the speedboat. Even in red states, there are winning causes, such as abortion rights, as the last few weeks have shown us, that you can get behind and effect real change on. Even better, these successful local and state campaigns can be upscaled into national campaigns. 
All change has to start at the grassroots. Number four, purge your algorithms of doom. The primary cause of doomerism is spending too much time on the internet. This is not to say that things aren't bad in the world, it's just to say that internet algorithms exploit your negativity bias to exaggerate how bad they are. So if you're feeling particularly hopeless, you might need to get off the internet. If that's not possible, then you can at least try to juke your algorithms a bit. Start getting your news from reliable news sites. I find that I get a good cross-section of left-leaning news by listening to NPR's Up First, the, uh, the Democracy Now! headlines, sporadically re reading things like The Intercept, The Guardian, Al Jazeera. Uh, I'd be happy to get other recommendations in the comments uh, if anyone wants to leave them. Cut out commentary as much as possible, and consider that nonfiction audiobooks are a valid alternative to news podcasts. Uh, I wrote a book on that, or an article on that, um, in the links below, titled, Have You Considered Going on an Internet Cleanse? Finally, unfollow doomers. People who say we're fucked, or the world is doomed, or giant meteor 2024 may be funny, and they may even be right, but the attitude is insidious and demoralizing. Consider. If doomers are wrong, but you believe what they're saying, the result is that you'll give up on life, possibly missing out on doing really cool shit that you would have enjoyed, possibly missing out on helping to save the world. Worse, what if we can fix things, but enough people bought into doomerism that we just let the oncoming catastrophe happen? Two, if the doomers are right and you reject what they're saying and work for a better world anyway, then at the very least, when the world ends, you'll have made life a little bit better for the people in your corner of it. So it seems to me like it's a pretty obvious choice. Number five, take an educational approach to posting. If you're going to stay on the internet and you are a prolific poster, consider taking an educational approach to posting. What this means is cut back on hot takes and outrage. It's okay to feel big things about the news, but consider expressing them privately rather than publicly as internet flame wars are an absolutely useless way to spend your time. It also means you should focus on posting information and context. If you have an area of expertise that is relevant to the topic at hand, that is worth sharing. Otherwise, share information from reliable sources. The internet is a powerful educational tool when it's used as such. It becomes a problem when it's built around clicks and attention grabbing because this is where we get stuck in echo chambers and in useless fights. Remember, it's okay if only three, pe three people read your post. It might make a real difference for them. Six, find out what people are already doing in your area. There are already political interest groups in your area that are doing work in your community. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time to find your people, but engaging with people who are already doing the work can be an enlightening and invigorating experience. When I decided to put my activist efforts towards climate change, I found that there was work to be done on our town's environmental commission, which was part of the local government, and through not local nonprofits that were, among other things, protecting wildlife, cleaning local rivers, fighting new fossil fuel developments, addressing food insecurity, fighting environmental racism, promoting native plants, and pushing storm runoff legislation, and battling eco-anxiety. This work does not have to be limited to traditional electoral politics or to traditional nonprofits either. You can also find local mutual aid networks through organizations like Food Not Bombs and Buy Nothing. And finally, number seven, this is what I always do on these lists, so it always ends with libraries. Use your local library as a mutual aid slash educational resource. When I've discussed libraries in anarchist forums, there's a subset of people who get extremely annoyed with me for discussing a government institution as a potential venue for mutual aid and radical education. But the fact remains, 
in many communities, the library is the only remaining public space that is literally open to everyone. Libraries are also radically egalitarian in a sense that few other existing institutions are. If you want to start a book club, a lecture series, or a community organization, there's a good chance the library will host you for free. Want to create a space where people can share not only books, but seeds, tools, and cooking instruments like cake pans? Go to the library. I have links to all three of those. Uh, our, the library I used to work at had a cake pan library, a seed library, and was getting a tool library. Um, but other libraries do like, um, you know, uh, hygiene products. Um, uh, they do um, like uh, condoms and things like that for, you know, I mean, there's some places are doing an insane amount more than just like, you know, uh, books and internet access. Obviously, some libraries are more conservative than others, but if you have at least a fairly progressive library, there's already an insane amount of work you can get done through the institution. And if your library is conservative, well, see if you can get on its board or its foundation, and then start radicalizing it. If you've got ways that you fight political despair or ways that you stay engaged and keep yourself from, you know, completely just, you know, sinking beneath the waves, um, I'd love to hear them in the comments. Uh, so please, please, please add anything you've done to kind of help yourself through a, a pretty politically bleak time um, below in the comments. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast app, the address is betterstrangers.substack.com uh, and you should be able to uh, find us there.